Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Well, we're starting a series today about the unstoppable. I want to talk to you about some things and hopefully we can lay a foundation over the next several weeks. Because I personally believe the scripture that says greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I really believe that. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, that there's nothing that we cannot overcome. I believe what we're to overcome are the things that God has placed in our life of purpose and destiny. And, and this is where I, I run into some things with some of my uh, colleagues in ministry, is I don't believe you can just overcome everything. I think you overcome what's in the, in, in the way of your purpose and destiny. See, when we live in purpose and destiny, there's an orchestrated lifestyle that God said, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And if I'm walking in what God has for me, there's nothing that I come in contact with that I cannot overcome. But if I'm not walking in what God has for me, there's a lot of stuff that's going to slam the door in my face. You, you understand. So it's imperative that we begin to develop the mindset that we are unstoppable predicated upon our obedience to what God has called us to do. Amen? It's important we understand that. You know, we quote stuff like I say, God before me, who can be against me? Well, God's not for you if you're not walking in purpose. Mm. Hello. Not a single amen crickets in here. I want God for me no matter what. I'm living for him or not. I want him for me. I know that, but it doesn't work that way. You've got to be where God wants you to be. That's why we need to be pursuant on a daily basis for his presence and his power and his leadership in our lives. We have to be pursuant of that. It has to be a, a, a daily walk with us. The other side of that coin, he says, one of the priorities of every believer, and I want us to get hold of this, because I, I, I just spoke at a conference this past week, and I talked about the kingdom living in the priorities of the kingdom. If you don't live in the priorities of the kingdom, you can't walk in the blessings that God has set in the kingdom for you. One of the priorities of the kingdom is once you've received Christ, is that you go into all the world and preach the gospel. Man, it's crickets again. Man, I can get this at home. My wife's in the front row. She's not even paying attention to me. <laughs> Tried to get a rise out of her. She didn't even look up. I know, I know. Go into all the world <clears throat> and preach the gospel. The question you have to ask yourself is whether I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Paul said this. He said, it, he's talking to the church now. In Macedonia, he's talking to them, and he said, examine yourself and see whether or not you're in the faith. Now, these are believers, people who have received Christ. Their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They, 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 they're going to miss hell and gain heaven. The Bible says if we don't build upon the foundation of Jesus, we can be saved, but we'll suffer loss, according to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. So it's important that I don't want to, I don't know about you, I don't want to lose anything. I'm one of those guys, I don't like losing. 
okay? I'm nice to people when I lose, but I'm not a good loser. I walk away in my spirit. I know I could have won that thing if I'd have just done something different. And so if we're going to walk in the victory that God has for us, he said to us, when you become a Christian, you become a witness. The mandate that was given to us by Jesus was to preach the gospel. Now, in the book of Genesis, and you don't have to turn there yet. I'm just going to refer to a few scriptures. Then I'm going to give you some scriptures that you need to look up, use as devotions this week. But in, in the book of Genesis, when God created mankind, in chapter 1, verse 28, he said to them, he said, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Now, he was not talking about soul winning. Oh, man, I'm messing some of you up now. He was, he was talking to them about your lifestyle is to be full of bearing fruit. You should be productive. Okay? Now, in the book of Genesis, we read in the 7th and 8th chapter that God destroyed the earth with water because of man's, uh, if you will, ungodliness and their attitude towards God and, 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 and all of those things. And, and God said they, they think wickedly, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, so he gave him a plan. Everybody say plan. plan. See, God will always give his children plans in spite of what everybody else is doing. So he gave him a plan to build an ark which him and his family could be saved. Now once they came out of the ark and he had given an offering to God and honored God with the offering and God said as long as the earth remained, seed time and harvest. You know what I mean? Remember that. But in the ninth chapter, after God said as long as the earth remains because the offering you gave me, I'll not, I will not curse the earth ever again this way. Because this offering, even though men will think evil, this offering has so turned me around that there will be night and day to be summer and, and winter, and there will be seed time and harvest. But in the ninth chapter, in the first verse, he says to Noah and his son something really, really unique. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. The same thing he said to Adam and Eve when he started this whole thing is the same thing he said to Noah and his sons when he began to put it all back together again. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. In other words, be productive. Oh, come on, stay with me, folks. It's important we understand that. If we go over in the book of Deuteronomy and we find out in the 8th chapter that God said, I'm the Lord thy God, I have empowered you to gather wealth. I've empowered you to be productive. Come on, stay with me. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're empowered by God to be productive. But I've never done it. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Just know that it's God's will. If you're going to walk in purpose and destiny, you've got to produce. It's not in the DNA of God for nothing. Everything God does is for productivity. Come on, stay with me, folks. So when we see, it's funny, because when you see David 
and he comes and they got Goliath out there challenging everybody and all of them are hiding behind rocks and he's talking to the king and all of this stuff. The thing that went through David's mind wasn't whether he could kill the giant. He says, what do I get for killing the giant? What's the productivity of killing this guy? What's in it for the one who kills him because God doesn't do anything without productivity? Oh, God. Jesus hangs on the cross, dying. Blood running down, crown on his thorns on his head, a spear in his side. So there's a hole in his side, dying. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do because I know what I'm doing and I'm hanging here for productivity. I'm not dying just to be dying, and I'm not dying to show who, just who God is. I'm dying so the Father can have a family. Oh, come on. Jesus resurrected from the dead, witnessed by over 500 witnesses, according to history. I don't believe in the resurrection. There's more proof that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected and to prove that Abraham Lincoln was the president of the United States. I'm going to really mess you up. To prove that Barack Obama was the president of the United States. To prove that the guy in the White House now is the president. There's more proof to prove who Jesus was than all of these guys. Well, I don't believe it. Well, okay, fine. Don't believe in history. I'm not even trying to convince you spiritually. I'm just believing you common sense. History. You can't scientifically go back and prove that George Washington lived. But history tells us there was a man named George Washington, the first president of the United States, that lived. <laughs> okay. So Jesus, who was witnessed by 500 people in his last moment on earth, before he ascended, it said he descended and he ascended. He went in and took the keys of death, held in the grave from the enemy. Come on, he preached to the captives. The Bible says he preached to those that were in, in, in bondage in hell. He went back to the Father, and the last thing he said on planet Earth <laughs> number one, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But number two, in the book of Acts, chapter one. Go to Jerusalem and tarry till you be, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And once you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be empowered to be a what? Oh. I want to be healed. No, you want to be a witness. If you be a witness, you can get healed. Don't get it backwards. You see what I'm saying? These signs are not, and wonders are not for the believer, they're for the unbeliever. The believer, if they'll get in purpose and destiny, they'll have all of the miracles available to them based upon their purpose and destiny. But we as a church have broken culture. And we're not walking in the culture of the kingdom. We're walking in the culture of the world trying to ask the kingdom to bless it. Mm. So when we talk about being unstoppable, where is the area... Because if you look at history again, every time a country is taken over, 
by a communist, which is an atheistic mindset. The first thing they do is get rid of the church. And their excuse is, if you keep the church, they band everybody together and they can overthrow us. And we sit in America with no restrictions and we can't figure out why we can't overthrow the world in which we live. Because we've got it so easy and so good, we can be stopped on every hand and still be, we're okay with it because I can still come and sing. I can still come and, and fellowship. I can still act religious. I still can cry. I can still have people pray for But we're not living in productivity. Isn't that funny? Aren't you glad I'm, I'm the one laying the foundation for this series? I know Sean is. He would not like to do this. That's when you're my age. You know, as Dr. John Evazini said, when I turned 50, he says, you've now become a diplomat. When I turned 60, he said, you've now entered into the stage to where people actually listen to you. When I turned 7, he says, you don't have to care about what anybody thinks. Just tell it the way it is. Hallelujah. So that's just the way it is. Our lives, once we receive Christ, it says, not I that live, but now it's Christ that liveth in me. That I'm to be an influence. That doesn't mean I walk around with a Schofield Bible, 22 tracks in my pocket, and I'm telling everybody that they're going to hell if they, if they don't stop doing things. I don't have to tell you this. You don't get to hell by stopping to do stuff. You get to hell by doing something. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not by telling you to stop it because stopping it will not keep you in or out of hell. So let's quit that. Let's tell people all they need is Jesus. It's amazing what Jesus will do in your life to where nobody will have to tell you to stop anything. You'll just stop doing certain things because you got Jesus. We get so upset with people, oh, look at them. What do you mean, what are you looking at them for? What do you care? I'm not going to stand before God when my time comes and he say to me, now tell me again, who are all those people you were looking at? Your rewards are based upon how you judged people. No. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, tough luck, you can't judge me. You can't judge me. Stop it. Our job as believers, the first thing we are to do is to be unstoppable with our witness. Glory to God. Now, over in the book of Mark, we've got a, a, an unusual story that we've taught on many times when it comes to sowing and reaping and things of that nature. But I want to take a little different spin with this. In, in the book of Mark, in chapter 10, in verse 17, it says, Now, he was going out on the road, and the one, come, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good Matt, teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. I could, I could spend a week 
on that one verse. We won't. I'm amazed at people who doesn't steal, but they, they don't honor their mother and father. I could spend a week on do not defraud, but we always try and present ourselves as something that we're not so we'd be acceptable. We're so afraid that somebody might see our frailty, our weakness. I was talking to someone this past week, and they asked me, why was this person the way they were? I said, because you're afraid that you can see them for who they are. So they put on this facade, and they defraud you as far as to who they really are. They're not really being honest about themselves. That's another thing. And don't you love it when you get around? Don't you love being around people and you're having a good time, you're talking, somebody comes up and all of a sudden they go, oh, praise God, brother. We're so glad to say, what? Where did that come from? Really? What you're doing is defrauding your, the, the, the person. You're letting them know that you are, you are trying to make them believe you're something that you're not. You're not that spiritual. We tell people, yeah, I'll pray for you. You know what I learned a long time ago? When I tell someone to pray for them, the moment I tell them that, the minute they walk away, I say, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, lest I forget, and I don't do this. Because I'm not going to act like I'm something that I'm not. See, if we're going to be unstoppable, we've got to be pure of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And Jesus is dealing with a purity here with this rich young ruler. Number one, the rich young ruler is talking to him about eternal life because he's got everything in this life that he wants. The problem is he's put all his trust in what he has in this life rather than his trust in what God has for him in the next life. And it's so easy to put all our trust in this life, forgetting which is to come. Oh, man, I'm messing somebody up right now. See, I'm living my life today victoriously so that I can glorify God, lead people to Christ. But when I stand before God, I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm not, I know this messes people up. I'm not living for today. I'm living for the future. My whole life is about what is to come, not what is now. Because what is now is subject to change. Well, we look not at that which is seen. We look at that which is not seen. That which is seen is temporal. That which is not seen is eternal. And he answered, the mission will answer and said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking to him, loved him and said, one, said to him. Look, Jesus looked at him in spite of his failure and loved him anyway. Tell somebody God loves you in spite of your failure. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Somebody sitting here today thinking that, that you so messed up. No, God loves you in spite of all the mess-ups. God don't care about your mess-ups. He cares about your future. Amen. Jesus looking on him, loved him, and said to him, One thing that you lack, go your will, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and take up the cross and follow me. He, what he's, let me kind of sum this up for you. He didn't say, he said, quit putting your trust in what you have. Put your trust in following me. Take what you've got and bless others. How we've read it is, sell everything you got, go broke, 
and be poor before Jesus and follow him. I don't know how to tell you, Jesus does not need poor people staying poor. He needs them to be blessed, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. I can't say it's holy to stay poor when he told me to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. You cannot, they don't, they don't add up. He created me to be productive, not to be, not to be a loser. If I'm productive, then I can never be in lack or want. Or, and if I go through that season, he said, I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory. Till you get through the season, I will multiply the seed that you have sown. I am not mocked, but for a man soweth that shall he also reap. He wasn't telling him to get poor. Quit putting your trust in what you think that you possess because reality is you possessed it because you kept the commandments and you're of the Jewish faith and if you keep these, keep my word I will command these blessings upon you the blessings are upon you by the Father because you kept the commandments but listen to me when you got the blessings you quit trusting the Father <laughs> and when you've seen me you've seen the Father follow me now why am I following Jesus? going through the story a little bit and as you read the story the boy was sad he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions Jesus looked around said to his disciples how hard it is for those who riches to enter the kingdom of God the disciples were astonished at his words but Jesus answered and again said unto them children how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and they were greatly astonished saying among themselves then who can be saved why would the disciples be so upset if I were poor and you're telling me that rich people are going to have a hard time getting to heaven. Why would that bother me? Because I don't qualify. <laughs> so evidently, they, they were qualified as rich people. And I don't have time to go through all the disciples, go back and study the history of it and the lineage of it. Every one of them came from money. Well, he was a fisherman. <laughs> it, you, know, you know what being a fisherman during that time is? I know it's going to really sound bad. And I'm not trying to be political in any way, shape, or form. But it means that I am, <laughs> I, I am a person who has oil wells, and you need oil. You've shut yours down, so you've got to come buy it from me. Does that sound political? We shut ours down so we can buy it from other nations. And we call it, and we call it to justify. See, this is what a church has done, to justify us shutting our wells down we, and say that this is right, we call it green. Oh, come on, stay. But I know, quiet. There's all kind of crickets around here today. <laughs> the disciples came from money. Peter was a fisherman. But Peter was like the all today. Everybody needed what he provided for them to eat. When I've got what you need, I'm not going to be broke. Come on, come on. 
I got, thank you, brother. I know you're with me. I don't know about that rest, but I know he's with me. I'm just trying to go somewhere with this, and I'm trying to paint a picture where you can understand it. And I'm really not trying to be political. I just think there's a lot of things out there that if you, if you use biblical presence and, and, and the word of God, then you can understand what's going on in the world today. You can see how the enemy's trying to tear us apart and destroy us. So they got astonished because they were people of means who had left their means, done what Jesus had. See, they were doing what the rich young ruler would not do. They had taken their stuff and given it so they could follow Jesus, take up the cross and follow Jesus. That's why Jesus had to have a treasurer. If I took 12 of the most affluent people in this church and they said, we're willing to make all I have available to you and we're going to follow you in ministry, I'd need a treasurer because I couldn't keep up with it because we, we have some people that are very successful in our church and I don't mean a dollar or two. They've been blessed of God. They have abundance. Now just picture this. So Jesus had to have a treasurer. So they were astounded because, wait a minute. We, you just said it's hard for a rich man to make it to heaven because this guy didn't want to do what we did, but we did it. And now, what are we missing? That's why they were astonished. What are we missing in this picture? Jesus says to them, he looked at them and he said, "What with men, things are impossible, but not with God, for with God all things. And anybody can be saved with God. Peter began to say to him, we've left all, we followed you. Jesus said to him, surely I say to you, there's no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, father, Mother, wife, children, lands. Hmm. Boy, we're really getting busy here, aren't we? Hmm. With persecution. Hmm. You're gonna be, you've left all this stuff. You've never left all of it, but for the sake of the gospel. You've left the everything. Someone said to me once, I was over in, in, in Thailand, and I was, talk, I was teaching some pastors, and, and one of the pastors in the, uh, in the uh, uh, group came to me, and we were chatting a little bit, and he was talking, and, and he was talking to me about this, and he said, you know, you know what, what does that mean? And I said, well, let me give you an example. I'm over here in Thailand. It took me 23 hours to get here. I left my wife. I left my kids. I left my home, I left my bank account to come over here to teach you. It didn't mean that you no longer have them. It means that you left them to go for the sake of the gospel. It didn't mean that you, they were eradicated from your life. Stay with me, folks. Because this is the kind of nonsense that's taught in churches in traditional thinking. 
Now watch this now. You know, none of you have done this. For the sake of the gospel, who shall not receive, shall not receive, it'll be given to them a hundredfold. Now in this time, everybody say this time. That doesn't mean next year. It doesn't mean uh, in, in, in a sweet by and by. That means we get to heaven. It means in this world. It's like, that's why I will not faint because I'm going to believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. As long as there's people living in the land, I'm looking for the goodness because I can get it now. Whew. This time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution. Oh, you're going to be persecuted for being productive. You know who persecutes you for being productive? It isn't the poor people. It's the people who got it who don't want you to have it because you're doing something with it that they wouldn't do. <laughs> Nothing worse than being around a rich man and somebody's next to him and the other person puts in equivalent to what they can do, and the rich man hadn't put hardly anything in, and then he gets angry. Why are you doing that? You need to be, you need to be careful. You need, you need to be careful. That church don't want to do with that money. You need to be careful. You know why? Because they don't want to do it. You're going to be persecuted, not by unbelievers. You're going to be persecuted by believers because of your productivity. We talk about churches that are not here that in other places because they've grown in vast numbers and we try and find something wrong, and that's the reason they've grown is because they're doing stuff that I would never compromise on. No, they're being productive, they're winning souls, and you're all upset. Oh. I celebrate people who do not speak in tongues but win people to Christ. I'm sorry, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't correct doctrine when it comes to other people. I present Jesus. I preach doctrine in my church so you understand the word of God, line upon line and precept upon precept. But my job is not to go into out in the outer banks and try and figure out all these people where they're wrong doctrinally because their church is growing. Stop it. We get persecuted when you start being, you start getting a hundredfold, your, your friends are going to change around you. They can't take it. They can't. They can. You start, listen, you start winning people to Christ on a daily basis, and some of the friends that are here today sitting with you will not sit with you anymore because they're embarrassed because they're not winning anybody to Christ. We have, a, we have a problem in the body of Christ with, with abundance. We have a problem with multiplication. We have a problem with success. But that's who we are. We, we have the DNA of a resurrected Savior. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you, that you will be a witness into all the world. You'll be productive. You're going to reach souls. That's your first step in life. Watch what he says, though. Persecution and in the age to come eternal life. It's fascinating. Because when Jesus went to correct the young ruler, 
And then when the young ruler didn't do it, Jesus said this. See, the young ruler said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus did not answer him the question on eternal life. He answered him the question on how to live in the kingdom. Listen to what Jesus said, unless you missed it. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the what? The kingdom of God. The rich young ruler didn't ask him about the kingdom. He asked him about eternal life. He said, until you learn to live in the kingdom, you don't have any business talking about eternal life. And in the kingdom, you've got to be productive. But we don't like that at all. My heart breaks when I get around people, pastors, that has not led anybody to Christ on their own. Oh, they give altar calls in their church, but on a personal basis, they've not witnessed or led anybody to Christ on their own in life. We're going to answer to God, folks. We as, and me, not, not as Bishop Rick Thomas, senior pastor and overseer of this church and other churches. I'm going to stand before God, not as the bishop. I'm going to stand before God as a believer and have to answer to what I did with what God gave me, how I reached others. Now, I'm responsible. I'm going to have to answer all of you when I stand before God. But I'm also going to have to answer to God, did I, was I the witness was I fruitful? Was I multiplying? Was I replenishing with souls in the kingdom of God? He talked to him about at the end. He says, now once you get learned this, that you're going to walk preaching the gospel, you've given everything up for the gospel, you're going to receive a hundredfold, you're going to be persecuted, but you're also going to have that eternal life that he talked to you about. Question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Answer, keep the commandments. Statement of fact, I've kept them from my youth. Number four, Jesus looked at him, he loved him. Number five, he gave him charge to sell his possessions, give to the poor. He was sad, he walked away. Jesus said to the disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches. The disciples, they were upset, they were astonished. Peter said, what, 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 what we've left it all. Jesus said, don't worry about it. You can get a hundredfold, but you're going to be persecuted for it, but you're going to have eternal life. What is he saying to us? We're laying up treasures in heaven when we lead people to Christ. Go to the book of Acts, if you would please. And as we look at the book of Acts, we we know that Jesus has told them that they're to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized. You'll be with the Holy Spirit. He says, once you're baptized, verse 8, you shall receive power or ability, inherent power and ability, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem. You shall be a witness to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You shall be a witness. Wow. The the concept and the foundational truth of being filled with the Spirit, first and foremost, is to make you a witness. 
Now, we know Paul talked about it empowers you, that if you pray in the Spirit, you can edify and build yourself up. We know that we can pray in the Spirit, and God will give us a translation of that, and we can, and God will prophetically speak to us through tongues and interpretation. We know that. God uses that. The speaking in tongues is an evidence. You hear what I'm telling you? But what we've done is we've made that the first evidence and ignored what the first evidence really was. Speaking in tongues is an evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but the first evidence that you've been filled with the Spirit is you're a witness. Difficult, isn't it? I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Really? Who'd you bring to church today? Who'd you lead to Christ this past week? How many people do you love know that Jesus loves them? Well, you know, but I'm, 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 I'm worshiping in the Spirit. That's great. I want to suggest to you, you can worship in the Spirit all you want to, but until you fulfill the first commandment to be a witness, worshiping in the Spirit is nothing more than an emotional turn on. I, I pray in the Spirit every day of my life. My wife knows every morning I lay in my bed, I spend 15, 30 minutes when I wake up, and I spend time praying in the Spirit and talking to the Lord. And I, I can get high. I, can re- I literally can get high praying in the Spirit. I mean, I get turned on, man. I love it. But I know this, it's in, I do that to empower myself that when I walk out of my house, that my first and foremost call in life is to be a witness. Not to be a pastor, not to be a bishop, not to be a teacher, but to be a witness. See, when you understand that, you can't be stopped. Because when you've, when you've activated the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life and given him free reign, you are unstoppable. Now, look what they did. Now, I'm, and I'm asking musicians, please come. We're, we're going to conclude here. Eight characteristics of the book of Acts. I've taught this before, but I'm going to go back to it again. Just 1129. Uh, <laughs> she's looking at her, her watch saying, is he finishing that quick? What time is it? Yeah, you're, you're not safe on the front. You all know that, right? Nobody's safe on the front here. There's a lot of people sit in the back. I won't call you out, but you know what I'm talking about. And we use the excuse, well, I'm in ministry. <laughs> no, you're just hiding out. But anyway, uh, eight characteristics. Number one, they believe and they preach the word of God. They really believe the Bible. That's a novel idea, isn't it? I believe what the Bible says. Hey. But yet, time comes along, we go, well, I don't know if that's God's will. What do you mean? Here it is. You know God's will? Here it is. I, I don't need to, have to sit around and, and, and talk philosophy with you. What does God say? They believed it, and they preached it. Number two, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they knew their first call was to be a witness. Amen. Number three, 
they understood and they used the authority of the name of Jesus. They understood and they knew how to use the authority. Now, the authority of the name of Jesus is not when something goes wrong and you go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is not the authority of his name. That is fear crying out. And I believe he shows mercy, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they knew how to say, listen, wait a minute. This is what God's will is. This is the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit, raised from the dead, dwelling. He's quick in my mortal body. Therefore, as a witness, I th- in the name of Jesus, I take authority. Number four, they were all givers. Characteristic of the early church is they were a giving church. Time, talent, energy, as well as finance. Go back and study the first four chapters of the book of Acts. Time, talent, energy, and finance. They gave in every area. I love some of you, and I thank God that you support our church, and I thank God that you give your tithe here, and I rejoice with you. But if you're not giving your time, your talent, and your energy, then you're only living at one-fourth capacity. (laughs) Okay. Number five. This is the real one. They prayed, and they obeyed. They did what God told them to do. Don't you love being around people? They say, God told me to do this, and then next week they did something else and go, well, when did God change his mind? I love it when people come to me, God's called me to this church, bless God, this is my church. Six months later, they're leaving because God spoke to them. God didn't change his mind, you did. I've been here 47 years. I wanted to leave more times than you care to know about. I'm serious. I'm not joking. So you don't love us? It's not that I don't love you, but I'll be honest with you. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. But because of people, you have a ministry. Oh, come on, stay with me, folks. And and I love pastoring. I do love pastoring. But there are times we all have our moments that you go, man, I'm just tired. Or better yet, man, somebody said something about me in the church that, you know what, I don't need to put up with this anymore. Come on, stay with me. We'll get upset at somebody in the parking lot and not come back to church, even though God told us this was our church. Really? We'll get upset because somebody did something to us and said we'll quit singing with the group or quit playing in the band because I've got news for you. Well, I thought God called you here. There's a lot of people. Therefore, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to experience because you're around people that's going to cause you to go, man. But you're not there for the people. You're there because God called you there. Come on, stay with me, folks. (laughs) Pray and obey. Listen to what God's got to say. Number six, we're better together. They walked in unity. You've heard Pastor Sean for the last year and a half driving this home in this church when God gave it to him. We're better together. We're better together. Why don't we start working at that? In unity, there God commands the blessing of life forevermore. Amen? If we're going to be, if we're going to be unstoppable, we've got to be unified. 
want to put a thousand and two, ten thousand, what would happen if we take fifteen hundred people and get them in unity? I'm talking about being unstoppable. <laughs> Number seven, this is a tough one. They loved the unbeliever. We judge the unbeliever all the time, don't we? <clears throat> I was in, a, in, a, in a, another place at another time, and I was with, with a person. And this individual walked by, and uh, they, they really were not normal for what we would call normal. You know, with the, the piercings and the tattoos and the, I mean, the whole thing. And uh, this person I was with just kind of said, oh, man, look at that. And I looked at them and I said, I know they look different, but they weren't born that way. So I got to love them because they weren't born that way. That's not what God intended for them to be because they were just messed up. I'm riding down the street yesterday, and there's this lady who's has a sign, she's out there, you know, I'm a mother, two kids, homeless, asking for money. And my heart broke, because she wasn't born that way. What got her to that place? God, help us to love the unbeliever, no matter what they look like, no matter, no matter what they smell like, no matter where they're from, help us to learn how to love. Let's get beyond all and love them for who they are. I, I, I think about the man that years ago, when we first started the church here at Bundle, and we were on 1500 North State Road 7. He was homeless in the street. He'd go shower down at the beach because he didn't know. He told me, I'd shower at the beach. Backslidden Baptist guy. We met him and we prayed with him, we talked with him, we helped him out and got him a place to stay. And three years later, God gave him an idea. In fact, what you just had done to the front of our church out front, that was his idea. Three years later, he had an idea. Six years later, he's a multimillionaire. That nobody wanted anything to do with him because he smelled and he lived at the time. But somebody said, I believe in you. I love you. I think about the guy in Lakeland, Florida, that they led to Christ, the homeless guy, and dirty and filthy and nasty, and the team challenge group led him to the Lord, and the guy took him to his house and put him in, the, in his back uh, house. He had a little guest house, and had him take a shower and clean up, gave him some of his clothes and got his hair cut and got him clean. I mean, he was, he was smelly, he was stinky, he, he was a drunk, he was an alcoholic, but he got delivered. When you heard his story, his wife and daughters had been killed in a car accident, made him drink, and he became an alcoholic and lost everything as a successful businessman. Went to the full gospel businessman meeting, and when he, took, when he went to take up a little offering, he ripped the button off the jacket because he had nothing else but the blazer the man gave him, and he ripped the metal button off, and he threw it in the thing. He said, I want to give something. Five years later, he was the number one aluminum siding owner of a business in Tampa Bay Clearwater, multi-millionaire, because somebody said, I love you. You got to love the unbeliever. Don't judge them. Love them. Oh, God, give us compassion. Last but not least, <laughs> they fulfilled 
the Great Commission. That's what we're going to do here at Abundant Life. That's what we're starting today. We are going to fulfill. That's our, that is our mantra. We're going to fulfill and go to all the world and preach the gospel. Those characteristics of the early church are all available to us here at Abundant Life. Folks, I'm here to tell you, it's time we begin to rise up. As he said last week, come out of the closet and let's reach our world with life. Let's tell them, God's a good God. God loves you and God wants to bless you. And whosoever will call upon his name shall be saved. As Peter and John said to the cripple, look on us and see what God has done in my life and he'll do it for you. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember... God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.